It's really one of the most fascinating movies I've ever seen with almost nothing fascinating about it. Oh, you're in trouble now. Why? 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 This week, we have another three-hour epic that absolutely deserves the full extent of your attention span. But sorry, there's no Batman in this one. Instead, buckle up for Drive My Car, a moving, life-affirming drama about a lonely theater director, his dead wife's former lover, and the driver who becomes a surrogate daughter to him. I'm Alex Logan, and I'm all revved up and ready to go for this one. And I'm Ian DeBorha. This is IMDb is Obsessed, the show that tells you the one TV series or movie we're completely obsessed with this week and why you should be too. And I am joining this week's episode because when I first saw Drive My Car a couple weeks ago in theater, I immediately texted Alex and Lizzie and was like, yo, I love this movie. (laughs) It is absolutely incredible. Whenever we cover it for IMDb is Obsessed, I have to be on. So thank you, Lizzie, for letting me come on and fanboy about this film. But also Drive My Car just at HBO Max and we think everybody needs to watch it. So Let's break down why this quiet, contemplative drama is having a historic award season run and what that means for its chances at the Oscars. When I first saw this movie, I immediately fell in love with it and was not able to stop thinking about it maybe a month or two ago when I saw it in theaters. I watched it last night now that it's been on HBO Max, and I can really firmly say that I think this is easily a top 10 movie all time for me. It I'm just so moved and like amazed by it, every single second of it. Uh, before we get too deep into it, Drive My Car is directed and co-written by Raisuke Hamaguchi based on the Haruki Murakami short story of the same name uh, and two stories from the same collection of short stories entitled Men Without Women. This is definitely one that when I first saw it, I knew I loved it and knew it would be in my favorites of the year. And I think will only grow and grow with time as as seeing it over and over again and now digging into Hamaguchi's other films, because this is a director I was not familiar with and now feel like need to watch everything he's done. And the film stars Hidetoshi Nishijima as Yusuke Kafuku. Uh, that's the theater director, the main character in this. Raika Kirishima as Oto, his wife. Masaki Okada as Koji Takasuki, the brash actor who's having an affair with Oto, and Toko Miyura as Masaki, the driver. And they're all excellent. I mean, beyond the the actual nominees, the directing and writing and, and best picture, you know, nominee that's completely historic, this cast is so good and I love every one of them. I, I wish that, you know, more often international performances were recognized because they are so good and so incredible in this one, especially. So I I do have to say that when people hear about this movie, see it's nominated and they go to imdb.com to look up uh, what the movie's all about, you will probably see that it has a runtime of two hours and 59 minutes and that might scare people away. But I beg, beg, beg you, please give it a shot. Here's the thing about this movie. When you sit down for the film... Uh, I highly recommend that you turn off the lights, try and put your phone away hmm. because the first you know, couple minutes of this movie and most of the film is just pure dialogue. So it does require a certain amount of focus from the viewer. That being said, once you sit in it and you're kind of in this world and understand how the film is paced and how it's going to move, I think about after 20 minutes, I was really able to settle in and sort of be fully absorbed 
into this uh, film universe. Um, and it really just benefited me. I mean, there are, we'll talk about some scenes later, but there are moments in this movie when I was in the theater, I have never been in the theater so silent because everyone was completely leaned into the film and like trying to dive into the words that were on the screen and being said. Uh, and that is something I have never really experienced for a movie that is really exclusively dialogue. Um, it was kind of like an out-of-body viewing for me uh, and something that I was able to replicate at home. So again, it's long, but all the payoffs are there. The dialogue is so beautiful. And as it kind of turns with you, you really get absorbed into it. I, I absolutely agree. I saw this in theaters as well, and it was such a quiet audience. I, I went to see it thinking that, you know, oh, there'd probably be a few people at the screening. Packed house, everyone there, everyone, you know, pin drop silent during these beautiful dinner table conversations where so much is revealed or car conversations. You know, that's, mm -hmm. that's the, the constant theme through this is the different kinds of conversations that you can have while you're in a car. And I heard Hamaguchi talk about this to some degree where he's talking about, you know, that you're in this liminal space of being in the car mm -hmm. because you're driving between a starting point and a destination and that temporary state of being in motion, it creates for these like kind of intimate conversations on deeper topics that you can have when you're at rest. You know, you're also not looking at each other, but then cinematically when you actually do steal a glance and, you know, when the driver especially looks in the mirror and looks back to see like, you know, the, the expression on a person's face after they've said something just so deeply personal and moving that creates for such a moment. And that that's, this movie is, is so many of these just like such tiny, subtle moments. It's a glance, you know, it's a few words. It's, it's someone deciding not to do something when they're mm -hmm. met with, with, you know, a huge revelation in their life and just kind of walking away from it silently. That is so beautiful and is just perfectly baked into this concept and to everything that Hamaguchi is trying to say about grief and loss and communication. Yeah, like we said at the top, uh, and this isn't a spoiler, this is in the first couple of minutes of the film. Uh, the lead character, he is a theater director, and he loses, and his wife suddenly passes away. <clears throat> um, and as a result, you know, he the grief that is sort of represented throughout the film is shown in a handful of different ways. Uh, obviously, in the imagery and throughout the film, uh, that sort of represents his like inability to let go. Uh, the play that he's putting on also represents a lot of the grief that he is unable to express himself. Uh, and because there's something very clever that the play that is within the film um, is actually told in multiple languages. So there's Tagalog, there's Mandarin, there's uh, Korean Sign Language, there's English. And all these characters who don't understand each other are communicating with each other. And that is really beautifully paralleled in how our main character isn't really communicating with his wife as well as he thought he was, uh, which is sort of revealed throughout the film. And so when you kind of see how like the same stories and the same perceptions of grief is told in sort of three or four different ways, um, once it sort of clicks for you, everything in the movie just like blends together in this really like beautiful painting uh, between these characters and and such. And it, it's it's really like a moving thing to see. Yeah. And, and stuck and with me. It's it's the theater director who is doing these multilingual productions as a way to communicate one text to so many different people. But he also is a person who struggles with communication, like you're saying, like he couldn't communicate with his wife. He's so closed off. He's so quiet. And, you know, you see him as this person who's like can can communicate these complex emotions to mass audiences. But when you're kind of like in a room with him, he's inscrutable. You're looking at his face and you have no idea what he's thinking. You have no idea what is actually going through this person's mind. And to the point that like, you know, even with his wife, where he's not having these conversations, there's, you know, some we've mentioned it before. She's 
he's had multiple affairs and that person he that she was having an affair with comes back into his life and it's it's something that you know you're waiting for them to kind of have this conversation about what that was and what that that um how they both perceived it and it's just something that they like can't even get to because they're both grieving the director uh, is trying to get his cast to focus on the text and what the text can reveal to them, like actually have mm-hmm. a conversation with the text in front of them, not try to just focus on the sounds and, you know, emotions of their other actors, really, really just looking at that and what he's creating with all those little noises are distractions to actually yeah. try to pull you away from the text. So you have to lean in and pay even more close attention to what's going on in uncle Vanya, which is incredibly revealing when it does because so often the lines from uncle Vanya sounds like narration or sounds like he is talking to himself about like what's going on deeply inside of him or it's his dead wife on a tape that she recorded for him to listen to, to practice his lines, reading all of the other lines so that he could time it for his responses. Right. And Mm -hmm. so you, when you hear her voice coming, like, you know, a ghost from the grave, uh, reminding him of, you know, some part of their life or whatever, even like reflecting on what he just seen, you know, just happened in the scene before, but really it's just a line from uncle Vanya. It just happens to like, you know, effortlessly fit in there so yeah so you then you have to focus on that text even more if it's not trying to pull you out by just the you know the tapping on the table when somebody has finished their lines (laughs) which uh, i love so much and how everybody does their different taps some people are you know very hitting the table very hard versus like hitting with a pen it's it's yeah yeah uh, the way i describe this movie is that it's really one of the most fascinating movies I've ever seen with almost nothing fascinating about it. No, it's, it's, nothing flashy. It's so, there's nothing, nothing flashy. Yeah, nothing it's, underlined. It, it's, yeah. it's, it's so subtle. Yeah, it's, it's totally. But it's, it's so, so, so good. I, I highly recommend it. Uh, yeah, in lean you in. Really tell. <laughs> lean in, pay attention. This movie will reveal itself to you and reveal so much about yourself to yourself, yeah. which I did not see coming. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I do want to shout out just the entire cast. Mm. Uh, uh, notably, uh, one of my favorite characters, who I do wish got a, you know, like we were talking about, got an Academy Award nomination, is Jin Dae-yoon, who played Kon Yoon-soo. Um, he is a theater's assistant director and programmer. If you go on his IMDb page... There is literally one credit, and it is this movie. Um, and his story with him and his wife, uh, they have such a charming like levity about them. Um, and into details, I won't go for spoilers, but um, their sort of happiness on screen and the way he portrays himself throughout the film just like made me feel good in a mm. movie that is largely incredibly sad and sort of uh, draining on you. That his and uh, that his story was like a light. Yes, that really uh, stuck to me. So when I looked him up afterwards on IMDb, I was shocked. 
he had no other credits because he was he was really really fantastic. Uh, were there any other standouts for you, Alex? I loved him too. His smile is so uh, just lights up the entire scene, and he just wants to help. You know, that's kind of his character. He's just a nice person, which is nice to see in this sad, crushing world. But Toko Miura, uh, she is the driver. She is Mizaki. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love this performance so much. She would have been my best supporting Oscar winner for the year. Um, it's such a hard role to be so quiet and so reserved and just everything swimming underneath the surface until you finally have this just powerhouse final sequence with her where, yeah, it's 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 this, <laughs> you don't really expect the story to wind to this place. And once it does, and you see everything that they have to pay off in this one conversation between the theater director and this kind of, you know, surrogate daughter slash driver character that's come into his life that he resisted having in his life. And then everything that she reveals in that moment is so beautiful and so amazing. I had no, I figured I had no idea who this, who she was. I hadn't seen her in anything before, mm-hmm. um, but she is a, an incredible singer and performer too, which you wouldn't get out of this role. She is, she's somewhat of a pop star. She did all the, the music or she sang on all the songs for weathering with you, the anime Mm. film from 2019. She's the vocalist Mm -hmm. on all those songs and is really quite a performer. And this role is just, so subdued and antithetical to that it just is the yeah. opposite kind of vibe for this person who's you know barely speaks always kind of you know just uh, trying to stay out of the way as best as possible like show no emotion and just mm-hmm. be like ready to drive the car at an at a moment's notice and she's she's a pop star i i, and, I need to know more about her this is yeah like i said like once once i've seen this i've got to get into hamaguchi i've got to get into the other actors i've, I've this has unlocked so much more japanese cinema for me yeah, and the way that she like shows her emotion as it builds throughout the film is is so sweet and 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 heart and heartfelt. Mm. Uh, because as you find out about her her story, she had a pretty rough upbringing, um, and which explains why there are little moments where she gets even just the tiniest bit of praise. You can see her get so happy, and that really blends her yeah. connection with Kafuku. Uh, and it is just like a chef's kiss, beautiful, <laughs> beautiful relationship. Uh, I also want to shout out the score by Alko Hishibashi. Mm-hmm. Um, it's this like jazz piano kind of score that goes throughout the film, uh, obviously in particularly during some driving sequences. Uh, and it is like really beautiful. It's not like a score you typically hear because it is again, like a mainly jazz uh, piano score, but the way it pieces the film together just works so well. There are pretty clear act breaks throughout the film, and that's really where the music comes in. And when it does, it kind of like gives you that breath, allows you to sort of sit back and think about what you had just watched over the last hour or 40 minutes or so in between these acts and just fits together so perfectly. So this film has received four Academy Award nominations, including Best Picture, Best International Feature, Best Director, Best Adapted Screenplay. It has a separate Wikipedia page just for its accolades, and it's longer than the general info page. Um, <laughs> notably, though, it's one of the six films ever and the first non-English language film to win all three major U.S. critics groups. That's L.A., New York, and National. The other films are Goodfellas, Schindler's List, L.A. Confidential, The Social Network, and The Hurt Locker. I'm sure you've heard of all five of those films, <laughs> and that's why if it's entering that echelon, this is an important film that you need to check out. Yeah, I mean, that's a good, that's some good company to be a mm-hmm. part of. Mm-hmm. Uh, right? And just more firsts for, for this film. It's the first Japanese film nominated for Best Picture and only the third Japanese filmmaker to receive Best Director nomination after the amazing and the iconic Akira Kurosawa in 1985 for Rant and Hiroshi Teshigahara in 1965 for A Woman in the Dunes who lost to Robert Wise for The Sound of Music. Uh, yeah. 
Isn't that wild to think that in 1965 they were they were nominating a movie like Woman in the Dunes, which is, you know, a psychosexual thriller that is, you know, so, so ahead of its time. But I was just looking in the last decade. Damien Chazelle for La La Land is the only American to win Best Director at the Oscars. Uh, the voters in this category have clearly had their eyes on world cinema, maybe more than the general American audience. But this is their way to bring attention to these, you know, amazing films that you maybe wouldn't otherwise see. Yeah, like I think for awards nerds um, like you and me and, mm. and obviously Lizzie, like best picture is cool, but like best director and best screenplay, those are like where like the film dorks hang out. You Ooh, know? Yeah. That's kind of been the vibe for the last couple of years. And that's why I'm excited it got best adapted screenplay. Credit to the Academy for starting to really recognize uh foreign language films, at least here uh, in the United States, for like the big categories. But the next step is getting the actors in these films nominated as well. And I think the ball is slowly heading yeah. that direction. Uh, and while we're talking about international film, we had to send out a tweet, obviously, from our handle, at IMDb, and we asked, what's your favorite international feature film on Twitter? And uh, we got a lot of awesome answers. Um, we got a few answers for Cinema Paradiso, which I shamefully have to admit, I actually have not seen. Oh, wow. Oh, you yes. would love it. I mean, it's, yes. it's it's a movie about loving movies. So yeah. I don't know how you couldn't. <laughs> yeah, that's like on my shame list. Uh, oh, lots sure. of Lots of love for Bong Joon-ho, um, obviously, who won recently for Parasite, and a lot of love for his earlier film, Memories of Murder. And several for Veeam Vendor's Wings of Desire, uh, like funny comments said, the best ASMR movie about angels. Yes, absolutely. That is, Vim Vendors is a really fascinating director. Uh, and that one I can understand. I mean, that was one that uh, took the world by storm, you know, despite it being an international feature. And just, I, I absolutely love it. This next one I threw in there, Carol Madrid tweeted at us, Godzilla 1954, the original, the OG. I'm actually wearing my Godzilla shirt this morning. <laughs> Did not even plan it. I actually wanted to bring up Godzilla in this discussion just because I feel like that was my entry point to international cinema when I was a kid, just because it had giant lizards punching each other in it. And then I got more interested in what the other, you know, films coming out of Japan were. And it kind of like opened my horizon. Sometimes you need the popcorn cinema to come into the, you know, the more uh, uh, subtle films like Drive My Car. Yeah, I think Godzilla was probably an early entry point for me for foreign language films. Uh, but another one is a comment we got a lot of, which is Amelie. Um, mm -hmm. And I love that. And people have been saying the worst person in the world is a call and response to Amelie. Uh, and the truth about the manic pixie dream girl myth. Yeah, I feel like those movies are in conversation with one another. At Rooster 7 said, Goodfellas from that foreign country, USA, because yes, those are foreign, English is a foreign language to many people around the world. So good call out, Rooster. That's why it's international film. That's why they've changed the category at the Oscars. It's no longer foreign language film. And I think that's a, an important distinction. Not everybody speaks English. Uh, this one I love too. Wink Incorporated at Dope Sweater 247. Probably spirited away, but let's face it, international cinema is far more exciting than US right now. Drive my car. Mm -hmm. uh, the Worst Person in the World, Titan, mm -hmm. Flea, The Souvenir Part 2, Lamb, A Hero, and The Hand of God all in one year. We need to step it up. I totally 100% yeah. agree. I think this has been, I mean, it's such a good year for cinema in general, but the international films that we've been getting are so, so good. And it, it made me think of that Bong Joon-ho quote from a couple years ago. Once you overcome the one inch tall barrier of subtitles, you will be introduced to so many more amazing films. Watch Agreed. movies with subtitles. It's time, you know, we can we can get over that barrier. They're on HBO Max. A film like this is so accessible to so many people. You don't have to hunt for those small art house cinemas to watch it. Uh, mm -hmm. 
just take it in, take the ride. And yeah, I think you'll come out the other side of it with, with so much more understanding of your own life. I 100% agree. And I love that, you know, Bong Joon-ho said that a couple years ago when he Parasite won at the Academy Awards. And I think that quote has really resonated with film lovers all over the world. Um, so I'm glad that sort of these international films are really taking hold of uh, the United States and the Academy Awards conversations and such. So if you're intimidated by the runtime of Drive My Car or the fact that it is not in English, uh, do not fear. I mean, like we said before, there have been a rise of international films taking over the world by storm over the last few years. So here are some recent uh, non-English speaking films that you may have seen um, that I think fit within the world of Drive My Car. So 2018's Burning from Korea, uh, 2018's Oscar winning film Roma, and 2019's Portrait of a Lady on Fire, uh, which, is, which is from France. So if you've seen any of those, I think you'll really enjoy Drive My Car. And if you haven't seen any of those and you've seen Drive My Car, I think you should go back and watch those as well. Yeah. Burning also being based on a Murakami short story. So That's it's, right. yeah, it, it's similar vibes, similar weird uh, exploration of the world and love and th those same themes. So please watch Drive My Car and spend those three hours and then tell us what you thought of it. We'd love to keep talking about this film. We're obviously very, very excited about it. We want to hear from you. Tweet at us with the hashtag IMDb is obsessed. Or like I said, you can always email us obsessed podcast at imdb.com. Let us know, did you enjoy Drive My Car? Could you pay attention for three full hours? We think you can. We think it'll be something that will be really rewarding for you. Yes. Turn off those lights. Make yourself some popcorn. Put down your phone and get absorbed into this really beautiful, beautiful world that the whole team behind Drive My Car made for you. And I'm sure you will enjoy it. Thank you for having me on, Alex. I've been waiting to gush about this movie uh, anywhere, so I'm glad I got to do it here. <laughs> yeah, me too. This was a great this was a great one and such a surprise. I'm so glad that we're still talking about it and can't wait to see how it does at the Oscars. If you are also excited about the Oscars, you can check out all our coverage at imdb.com slash Oscars. You can check out our great interview with Oscar nominee Anjanu Ellis, who's up for Best Supporting Actress for King Richard, which she's incredible in. That'll be up on imdb.com slash Oscars. We also have an amazing director's trademarks all about Jane Campion, who is up for Power of the Dog, another film that we've covered on the podcast. Check out that episode if you haven't. And check out that movie, too. It's on Netflix, and it's super great. And learn more about Jane Campion. It's all at imdb.com slash Oscars. See you soon. You can drive my car anytime. <laughs> Actually, you can't. Don't drive my car. <laughs> One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.